Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifted you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. Why don't you put your hands together and give it up for Austin Holmes as he brings the message here at Axios Church today. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we just give God some praise? Come on, you can do better than that. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen. Well, like your pastor was saying, we have known each other for a while, and I was actually trying to figure out how many years, and I did eventually come to the number that I will not tell you how many years I've known him, uh, simply because it will show my age. Uh, So not to spare him, but just to spare myself for the embarrassment. Amen. You guys excited to get into the word? That's the reason we'll become here, right? Y'all can talk back to your boy. I'm not afraid of some noise. Y'all excited to get into the word? Amen. Real quick, turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse number 6. And we'll end up somewhere today in the book of Revelation. Somewhere in between there. I'm joking. We're not going to be in the book of Revelations today. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, say wait on me. Amen. No, it is an absolute privilege to be here um, with my friend and my brother. Um, you know, I don't believe in happenstance or just coincidence. I do believe that God has a word. Um, because to be completely honest with you, I didn't tell your pastor this in the green room because I know how he works and I know his anxiety levels are, you know, kind of sometimes. Uh, but I didn't really get this word until last night. Now, granted, I was only notified that I was supposed to be coming speaking on Thursday, but it wasn't until about 1.30 this morning while my baby was sleeping. This is when I had to get up from bed and and the word of the Lord came to my heart and I had to write it down. So uh, I I got it today, technically, if it's one o'clock. But anyways, um, I'm excited to be here. And if you're there, that's as much time as I can delay. That that was stalling. So uh, did y'all make it there? Amen. Amen. Let's read. Verse number And it says, uh, then when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark of God um, and took hold of it for the auction for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was against Uzzah and God struck him there in his error. And he died in that place by the ark of God. And David was angry because of the Lord's out, outbreak against Uzzah. And he called that and named that place Perez Uzzah to this day. I'll explain all this in just a minute. Let's just get through it and then we'll backtrack and we'll explain some things. Amen. Okay, Uh, David was afraid of the Lord uh, that day, and he said, how can the ark of of the Lord come to me? So David did not move the ark of God into the city of David, but he took it aside and put it at the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit and joints and manner, Father, and it will reveal the intents of people's heart, God. Lord, I thank you that, Father, your word, Father, would be a lamp into our feet to guide us, Lord, to, to protect us, 
God, to, to show us your will for our life, God. Lord, I say, Lord, let you be true and even my own opinion a liar because, Lord, we come for this one purpose and this one thing that we desire, Lord, that we want to see you glorified in this place. Father, it's not about a man, but it is about the man, the man Christ Jesus who came to die upon Calvary's cross, Lord, and today we celebrate that sacrifice. Lord, today we celebrate the goodness of your son. And Lord, we put a great expectation, Lord, knowing that you will come and you will move because we've come to ask, Father. We've come to seek. Father, we've come to knock at the door, Lord, and you will give us what our hearts desire, Lord. And we thank you for your goodness to show up, Father, and to show out in this place. And we love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. When the unexpected happens, have you ever had anything in your life that has just been unexpected? You didn't plan for it. It something that just almost seemed like it came out of nowhere. It was something that maybe you have bear the, 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 the consequences of because of somebody else's actions. Or, or maybe that it's, 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 it was you who made the bad decision. Regardless of the situation, things happen to people all the time. It's, a, it's an ugly truth, even though it's a, it's a beautiful truth in itself, because that means nobody is excluded for the chaos and, and, and chalismic uh, 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 catastrophes that happen in life. Nobody's excluded. That's the beautiful thing about humanity is that you go through something and I go through something. And, and, and a lot of times, if we're not careful, when we go through something, we'll become unempathetic for somebody else who's gone th through something because, well, you didn't go through what I went through, so. I, you know, you can't talk to me because you have never not experienced the pain. But, I, but, but we have to understand that we're all subject to chaos. Every single one of us. Look at your neighbor and say, I did not see this coming. I didn't see this coming. This was, this was unexpected. It was something that was not in my plan. It was not in my agenda. So here we have this scene of David, and he's carrying the Ark of God, which represents the presence of God. And they're taking it from captivity. The presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, was actually in captivity for seven months. David becomes king, and his first job as king is he says, Huh, I think that we need to bring the presence of God back to our city. It's his first line of order. It's his first thing that he desires to do. He becomes king. The inauguration comes. They put the crown on his head, and he says, okay, this city has been absent long enough of the presence of God. My first order is to bring the presence of God back. I, I pray that those who have ears to hear that they'll actually hear what I'm saying. I pray that every mother in this place would hear what I'm saying. I, I pray that every father in this place would hear what I'm saying. I pray that every leader, I pray that, I pray that all those that are listening underneath the sound of my voice, that that, that would be our heart's cry. God, we have to bring you back to the center of everything that we do because it's not just it affects your life, it affects everybody around you. It's, it's, it's everything. It's, 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 it's so, I cannot believe just how in crucial that we live, the times that we're living in of, God, we need you back in the center of my life. 
God, I, I can't, I can't know. I need you right here. And if you're not here, then, then God, I don't want to move because you have to be in the center because you are the one who directs my path and, and the steps of a righteous man are ordained by God. And so, Lord, I, I need you in the center, Lord, because if you're not in the center of my life, then there's no hope for even myself. There's no hope for my legacy. There's no hope for my family. We have to place the demand and say, God, be the center once again. It's David's calling. It was his calling in his life to bring the presence of God, to host the presence of God. It was his calling. It's your calling too. Regardless if you're on a stage, regardless of where you're at positionally, it is your job, it is your duty, it is your honor to say, God, I place you at this feet, I place you in the center of my life. It's the only place that matters. You can have your extracurricular activities, and those are fine. I'm not negating those. But unless you make God the center focus in our hearts, it will be lost. David said in Psalms 20, 27, and verse 4, He said, this one thing I desire and this one thing that I seek that I would dwell in the house of the Lord for all of my awful days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple for the time of trouble. He shall hold me in his provision and his secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hold me. He shall set me high upon a rock and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I offer a sacrifice of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing the praises of the Lord. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry to you, cry, cry to you with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart says, I will seek your face. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place of consecration. It's a place, literally, the word present is the meaning and it paints the picture face to face. We have to get back to where we get back face to face with God. And we say, God, I'm not moving. I'm not going to go anywhere until you meet me here. This one thing is the only thing I'm desiring in my life. This one thing is the only thing I'm pursuing. I'm not pursuing things or careers or jobs or families or or, or romance. What I want to do is fall in love with you. And you put your face against the face of the Lord. And you say, God, breathe. It's a hard task. That was David's calling. It's your calling. You owe it to your family. You owe it to your community. You owe it to this church. You owe it to your coworkers. To bear underneath the weight of saying, God, I'll meet you face to face. Everything revolves around that place where you host the presence of God and say, God, change me, break me, mold me, shape me, move me. Whatever your desire is, God, Lord, let my desires fade away. But Lord, what in replace of it, your desires. That was David's cry. It was his heart. So they went to the Philistines and brought back the presence of God. 
verse number three, you can actually read the account, what happened previously to that, or excuse me, chapter four and five, but leading up to chapter six, if you still have your Bibles turned there on your app, in verse three, so when they set the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was on the hills of Zimzimzama. Mm-hmm. Proceed. <laughs> the son of these names. So they put the ark on the cart, okay? <laughs> they put the ark on the cart. And so they're driving and they're happy and praising God the verse before is man they were singing songs of rejoicing with the with the temporal and 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 the cymbals and the tambourines and and the trumpets and they they're there there's this celebration that is happening because their life has been voided of the presence of God and now the promise is coming to fruition and they're going back to the city of David and and all of a sudden the unexpected happens they hit pothole what I can imagine they had the ox and the oxen shook the ark of the covenant it shook something have you had gone through something in your life that it just shook the very core of who you are come on you could talk back to me I, I know I'm not the only person that has been through hell and didn't expect it but I'm here to to show you that you can you can survive it. But 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 have you ever been in that? Some of you are can't even talk to me right now because you're living in it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's the issue. You can't talk to me is because some of you are going through things currently right now is because you didn't expect it and the wind is being taken out of your sails. And that's a hard place because now your whole identity, now your whole purpose seems like it's crippled and crumbled and there's no redemption for you. I've come to tell you some good news. There is redemption for you. Man, Jesus help us, God. There is redemption for you. I know that this was unexpected. You didn't plan for it. Neither did these guys. But something happened on the way to destiny. Something took place as they're on the road to destiny for the fulfillment of the promise. Everything went to garbage. We don't expect this though, because God, you're good, aren't you? Yeah, he is good. And to accuse God... And with with the idea that he does evil things to show us how good he is. Do you realize it's it's not God? I'm sorry that's going to ruin people's theology, and I know it is. But I'm so convinced of this. There's nowhere in scripture that you can show me God does evil to do good in your life. It's contradicting. To to contribute to God, the Messiah, to the very work of the devil... Because the devil hates you. Well, why did bad things happen to good people? I've asked this a hundred times in my life here recently. It's because there's a devil out there that hates your guts. No, no, no. You don't understand. He made one mistake. One. He made one mistake and got kicked out of eternity for for all eternity. You make mistakes every single day. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Is that not Bible? 
And God is faithful and just to forgive us. Wouldn't you be aggravated that you just made one mistake, but yet you had somebody else make mistake after mistake after mess up and screw up and wrecked, and, and God still is faithful to forgive them? That's the goodness of our God. Is that no matter how much we fail and we live in this fallen world, he forgives us. No wonder why the devil hates us. Because we look like our dad. No wonder the devil hates you. Maybe it's not a necessarily situation you put yourself in and it was because of somebody else's. That's a hard one. That's a hard pill to swallow when you're dealing with the consequences of somebody else's actions. Though it may have not been your decision, though it may not have been your, 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 your ideal of what you wanted to do, but it is your responsibility. I know that's such an encouraging word on Sunday morning. Carry something that's heavier than you. Take responsibility for stuff that you didn't do. But if you want to have a meaningful life, to wake up with purpose every single day. Carry something that is bigger than you. Every day. And this was the mistake the Israelites made. They put the ark of God on a cart. That is not what God instructed to do. You go back to Levitican law, back in Numbers. It describes exactly how the ark of the covenant should have been carried. On the shoulders of the priest. But how many times do we push away the responsibility of carrying the weight of the presence of God? No, you didn't, hear, you didn't hear. How often do we push away responsibility just to push it instead of carrying it? It's, 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 it's too much. I can't handle it. Yeah, so was the cross. So was the cross after Jesus was beaten 39 times that his, his internal intestinal organs were showing. The center beam of the cross was 150 pounds. I'm so thankful that God, that when he sent Jesus, he wasn't walking down the, the Via Della Rosa and he was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm sick of it. I didn't put myself here. I don't deserve this. I know that some of you are not even going to accept me. Why am I putting myself through this pain? I'm so glad that Jesus didn't do that. But he was obedient all the way to the point of death. And then rose again on the third day. The, yeah, there's things that happen. But take responsibility for them. Because your life is not your own. Your, your life has been bought with the price. What we don't understand is that it took Noah 120 years to build the boat. To bear that responsibility and that weight for 120 years. He didn't build it overnight. This wasn't him grabbing his sons and being like, hey, let's go buy a John boat if you're from Polk County. No, essentially 120 years is what it took. And if it takes 120 years to fulfill the promise of God that is going to carry your legacy and it keeps you from the chaos to coming inside, then 120 years it takes, so be it. 
But you carry the responsibility. You carry it with, with, with a proper attitude and saying, God, I can't take a step with Knowing that this weight is on my shoulders. Every step has to be intentional when you're carrying a heavy weight. Every step. But we don't want to count that. It's just easier for us just to push it. It's easier. If it's not broken, then why fix it? It's because it is broken. That's the issue. The mindsets of this Christianity thing that we're living is not authentic. It's, it's, it's how to get rich quick. No, 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 no. To live as Christ is to die as gain. It's, it's take up your cross and walk. It, it's that John 15 mentality. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then, then you should have whatever you ask in, in, in my name and it shall be given unto you. But, but if you don't abide in me, then you are not a part of me. Uh, take up your cross and walk. Deny yourself. But it's heavy. And I can't bear the weight. You're right. You can't on your own. But the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells on the inside of you. And it will quicken your mortal body. It will bring strength and life to things that you didn't know. You'll carry things and you'll start to realize, my God, I'm carrying something heavier than I could have ever thought. I, I didn't know I had such tenacity. I didn't know I was a bad mamma jamma. I didn't understand I had this on the inside. Who am I talking to in this place? Y'all are too quiet quiet because what you carry is bigger than you it's for your children and it's for your children's children it's not just for you it's for a generation it's for a city what would happen if we just took responsibility it's not fair you're right but don't get caught up in that game you'll lose every time it's not fair it's not it wasn't fair for Abraham to go sacrifice his son. It wasn't. That wasn't a fair idea. But, but, but he did it willingly. And he put Isaac on the altar. And the book of Hebrews says that, that even if he set the sacrifice of Isaac on the altar, slayed him and put him in flames, that he trusted God and it was considered to him as righteousness, that he would raise him up from the ashes. But God, I can't let that go. If I do, that's, that's my promise. I'm on my way to destiny. And the ox and this chaos all around me, I can't let this go. No, 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 no. That's the beauty is that you can. Because God will bring it back to life. We go forth in this story. Have you ever been angry at God? No, I'm talking about ticked. In Christian terms, PO'd. I love it. I remember when I used to pastor down in Fort Lauderdale. <clears throat> I'm not going through puberty. I don't know what that was. <clears throat> I remember. I'm joking. Anyways, and get back. Um, I remember when I was pastoring down in Fort Lauderdale. We would, we'd be in the conference and stuff like that, and a member would come up and he'd say, Pastor, can I talk to you? Yeah, absolutely. What's going on? And they would look around. I'm like, who are you looking for? And they say, and they whisper, I'm so angry at God. Excuse me? 
I'm so angry at God. With tears. You ever been crying angry? I'm an ugly crier. So to cry angry is way worse. And they say, I'm so angry with God. And I would look back and forth like this, like they did. And I would say, have you told him? Have, have you told him? Some of you are dealing with disappointments. When I was preparing for this, the Lord dropped the scripture in my verse and he said, it said that, that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick and a wounded spirit who could bear. I feel like there's been hope deferred in some people's life as you've just been earnestly and diligently pursuing the call of God on your life and something happened. I don't know what it is, but I know that in this room you're dealing with some major disappointments and you're not just upset or a little tired or, or a little bit. No, you're, you're, you're ticked off. There's, there's some anger that is stirring. I really feel that. There, there's, some, there's some things that are at odds with one another and you don't know how to resolve it. David was angry at God for his reaction. Regardless of how David got himself there, regardless if it was the plan of God, of whatever your theology is, that God did this to teach which is nonsense. Or this was a consequence because of somebody else's actions, whatever it may be. But some of you are, are asking God, why? Why? Why me? I'm just doing what you called me to do. All my life, I've dedicated to you. All my life, I've just, I, I've, I've desired this one thing like David. I just want to seek your face, Jesus. That's it. And I was trying to do something good. And look what happened. Have you told him? See, the reason our, our inability to come to the Lord and to tell him our frustrations is because we don't believe he can sympathize with them. That's the reality. You don't believe that God can understand why you're ticked. But doesn't the book of Hebrews clearly make this statement where he says, do we not have such a high priest that cannot sympathize with our infirmities, but yet in all ways he was tempted, but yet he was still without sin? Do you not believe that the king of kings, the all-sovereign, the all-knowing, the, the all-consuming, the, uh, the one that is, un, is absolutely perfect, he is the masterful architect, the end, he knows the end from the beginning, and the beginning from the end, and he stands in the presence, and, and, and he, don't you think that he might have an idea of what you're thinking or feeling? We, we, we just don't believe that. God, how do you know? Do you don't think Jesus had disappointments? What happened when he got to Lazarus' tomb? He started to weep because of their unbelief. Read the scripture. But there's unresolved. God, I don't have what it takes. I don't know if I could pick this thing up again. This thing is too heavy. I tried it once and it didn't work. What do we do? And there's unresolved issues that are Deep, deep rooted. Unfulfilled promises that are deep rooted. And I don't know what to do about this, Lord. And he takes the call, he takes the mandate, and he parks it. Because the bearing the weight of the Ark of the Covenant was too much. I've been this in this place. 
Where's my piano player? I can't see. <laughs> I've been in this place. It's not an easy place. And I'm not trying to make it trivial by no means. There's some people that are going through things in this very room right now that are so excruciating. And you have lost countless of hours of sleep. And your body is tired. Your soul is uneased. I, I, I can feel it and I, can, I understand it. I do. I'm not making anything light about it. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, 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 a mistake that was made on your behalf and you're just having a really hard time forgiving yourself. Or maybe you're dealing with the consequences of somebody else and God, I just can't let this go. And it's eating your soul away. I understand this. I get it. Three years ago, I have been pursuing God. I'll t- let, me, let me say it like this. Three years, no, previous, current, now. I've been pursuing God in a way that I've never pursued Him before, and that is entire trust. That is fully giving myself over. But in the beginning of these three years, me and my mother's son, my son's mother, there we go. It's my dyslexia. (laughs) Anyways, we were pastoring in Fort Lauderdale and we started a church similar to this. And being a campus pastor, I became a pastor. I became a husband. I became a father all in a year. So there was a lot of hats that I was still learning how to take off and to put on, to step in and put the card, the card stamp on. And I was driving a wedge in my family. For three years, I continued to neglect my family because being on the pulpit and being the man of God was feeling a void that only that should have been reserved for my God and my family. It was my mistake. No matter what situation, even though you may say, I didn't have anything to do with this, chances are you might want to look again because there's something that contribute, that you contributed to the mistake. There is. And it's hard. It's not easy. And so I said, Lord, I, I can't do this. And I, I met with my dad and my dad said, son, you got to choose your family. Because the Bible says that if a man can't lead his family, then what in the world does he have any business being in a pulpit? That's the reason I love your pastor. No, 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 no. Give God some glory. That's the reason I love your pastor, because he does it with excellence. And so it was a deep conviction of mine. God, I don't want the ministry if it costs me my family. I don't want it. So we moved to Winter Haven. Make a long story short, ultimately it ended up in divorce. And it's, God, I did exactly what you told me to do. God, I will listen to your word. I listened to wise counsel. I did everything from front to back and to back to front. And I still don't have my son. All hope seemed to be lost. Some of you are there. God, I was just pursuing you. God, I was just pursuing my destiny. God, I was doing the right thing. And this takes place. It's not something easy to fight with. 
and we get in a wrestling match with the Lord. God, what do I do? God, this isn't fair. God, this is not acceptable. How can you be a good God? How can you be a loving God and still let this happen to me? That's why I can say with absolute assurity of this, that God is good because I've been through some terrible things and his word is still consistent through all generations. No, 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 yeah, 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 come on. He is consistent. And his consistency in your life, no matter how inconsistent. And so I've been on this journey of trusting God for everything. Because I I refuse to allow myself to keep an offering, a sacrifice from, from the one who deserved it all. And so everything I do is just, it's a new perspective. And this summer, with our parenting plan and things like that, the, we, I, got, I got my son for eight weeks. And for the first time, I actually felt like that. It was beautiful. It was chaos. Oh, it was chaos on crack. It was terrible. But every day was waking up with purpose. And I was tired. I was exhausted. You get him up. You, you wrestle with him to put his clothes on. He's three, and he's got my attitude, which is terrible. And, and, and you brush his teeth, and come on, pack his lunch. Go to work. Come home. Pick him up. Get him ready for bed. Feed him. Bathe him. Wash the dishes. Fold the clothes. Go to the living room. Cry because you're exhausted. And then you go to bed. And then you wake up and you do it all over again for eight weeks. It was beautiful. It was everything that I signed up for. But for these past three years, I was like, Lord, uh-uh. With the statistics of 17.5% of the man retaining uh, primary custody over the woman who immediately just steps into. Now, this isn't a political statement. These are dat- this is data and these are facts. You can go look it up for yourself. Immediately when the woman steps into the courtroom, she is already at 85, 83.5% to retain primary custody because of the, usually the man has to go to work and the woman is a primary caretaker. It's just the way it is. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's not fair. I'm just saying it's a terrible situation, no matter who you are. God, I don't want to put myself through this again. What are you talking about? I don't have it anymore. I don't have a care to give for this. I'm good with just me and my son. But what is happening to me right now? Because for eight weeks, I was living in bliss. And the Lord spoke to me just as clear as day. He said, because those are desires that you killed that I put in there for you. But God, I can't bear myself underneath that weight. I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. There's no way I could do it. And the Lord said clearly, I know this is going to sound super weird, weird, but the Lord says, who told you you were naked? See, what happened in the Garden of Eden is that when they took the knowledge, when they took the fruit of knowledge between good and evil, they realized that something was missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They realized something was missing, that God never said that they were missing. Who said that you can't carry on? Who said you can't pick up that weight? No, 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 you don't understand. Who said that to you? Because it wasn't until your eyes were open to yourself and you got your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus and him crucified. You got your eyes off the sacrifice. He said, who told you you were naked? Those were my desires. Those were my dreams. And though they may have been delayed, they're not denied. I don't know what's going on and what's missing or what's broken, but it may be only just a delay. But I would challenge you, gird up yourself with the garment of praise and give God something that he deserves, which is a sacrifice. God, I don't understand, but I trust you. 
I don't understand, but I trust you. 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 I'll trust you in this season, and I'll trust you in this season to come. I'll trust you in my coming. I'll trust you in my going. I'll trust you when my sacrifice is screaming from the flames in agony, beckoning me for me to come and take them off. I'll say no because I trust him. I trust him. I trust him with my future who has already been there. He knows it. Who trusts me that, I, that he will be in my present. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. And that's a hard thing because trust has been misplaced. It's exactly where David was at. God, how can this be? Let's go read. And then I'm closing. So David would not move it from there. Okay, verse number 11. And the ark of the Lord remained at the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his house. And now it was told to King David saying, the Lord is blessing the house of Obed-Edom and all that is, belongs to him because of the ark of God. And so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Listen, whenever you decide, whenever it is, it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, but if you stay true to the process and you trust the Lord and you decide to pick that thing back up again, what if it works out better than you could ever think? Imagine, what, 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 what if it actually works out better this time than it did the last time? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a business that you decided to start and it crashed and it crumbled, or maybe it is a marriage, or, or maybe it is a relationship with a friend. What would happen if we trust God and say, God, I believe that this season I will trust you. So in this season, it could be better than I could even ask, think, or imagine. Because what has entered to the hearts of man that God has prepared for them? For those that now I have seen and no ear has heard, nor has entered to the heart of the man. The plans that God has for those who love him. God, I trust you. It's heavy, but every day I will wake up trusting you. I, wait, I trust you with this step. I trust you with this. I trust you with that. I trust you on my finances. I'll trust you, God, when my hope is deferred. I'll trust you when my spirit is broken. And even when my trust fades, I will stand in your sovereignty. I will stand in your presence and pursue you. I will not look to the right or to the left, but God, every step of the way, I will press forward to the high calling that to know him not just of the sacrifice but to his resurrection power because when I say yes to the sacrifice he says yes to the resurrection and he went with gladness new hope was born new hope new hope for you there's new hope for you Listen, every head bowed and every eye closed. There's, there's new hope for you. There's hope for you today. That He is the God of hope. He, his hope is, 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 on, your, is on, on his mind. He's, he's trying to get it to you, I promise. But, but how many things have we walked through that have delayed it? God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. 
If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together. Thank you.